following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Back in 2020 with some more intentional foul. After the holidays, we are back. We're going to try and make this go every week. Whether it's you, me, some guests, we'll try and get in our weekly podcast for the entire year. Are you fatter today than you were two weeks ago? Because I think I am. Oh, God, yes. Hell yeah. Although I did, surprisingly, for the first time in... Probably a year and a half to two. I stepped on a scale this morning. Yeah. Just to see how fat I am. Sure. I was not as disgusted with myself as I expected to be. It's good. So I then I promptly ate some chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how that works. I got a little room. The the mirror is my scale. Yeah. It just depends on how, how far it falls over the belt line. That's when, that's when I start to get worried. Over there. It's like, oh, right. man, I bend over. My elastic disappears. What the hell? <laughs> That's not good, man. That's it's not between good. different family stuff and how many meals and desserts and going to send you home with stuff and going out to eat because you don't want to grocery shop and then having leftover. Oh, it's like I, went, I probably went over to my parents, I don't know, in the last 10 days, probably five or six sure. times. And it seemed like every time I left there, I left with like a uh, Menards bag full of food. You know, Did you leftover eleven percent. Oh, leftover <laughs> potatoes. You know, oh, yeah. pieces of prime rib. I, I get it. You know, cookies. Oh, yep. All this, all this stuff. Well, and, and that sucks because I mean, we get stockings from Santa Claus at our house. Mm-hmm. We get stockings from Santa Claus at the in-laws. We get stockings at, from Santa Claus at my parents. Mm-hmm. What are they normally filled with? Candy. Candy. Yeah. Didn't we just deal with that two months ago? Right. And it's not even gone. Just keeping just, all the all, oh just keeping all the dentists in business. It's like I want to take all this stuff, and I don't think my wife would argue with me. You want to take a lot of this leftover stuff, and the kids probably won't even notice, right? And just take it to work, right? And just dump it on the counter and say, "Here you go, have at it." Yeah, because that's people love people at work love getting well, food. I'm re- I'm I'm ready to move on to 2020, and and I'm I'm glad the holidays are over and start fresh and make, yeah, make resolutions that I won't keep Drink some and water. You know, uh-huh. let's mm-hmm. just get back into the swing of things and talk all a little right. sports. Yes, let's do that because we are into the NFL playoffs. Um, the Vikings are playing wild card weekend. They were locked into the sixth seed last week. They rested a bunch of guys. Um, my wife's really excited for the game. Uh, I think they're going to get crushed by New Orleans. Personally, I haven't seen any lines where anything is opened at. Well, I, have they announced what's up with Dalvin Cook? Is he playing? He's playing. Yeah, but yes. he's probably less than 100%, I'm guessing. He says he's good to go. They rested him for two weeks, and now it's going to be basically three weeks by the time that they get to the game. Yeah. So, um, And he said he he could have played, but since they were locked in, there was no purpose in coming back. Right. Um, and, yeah, Boone did pretty good in his in his stead, but it's it's not Dalvin Cook. No. Oh. It, it's just not. Um so and I I think another big another big key component a uh, guy that did not practice yesterday was um, Hendricks the linebacker and he kind of is one of the glue pieces that he holds, got hurt in the Packer game yeah, right yeah that, that holds that defense together so I'd be curious whether he can go uh, against New Orleans but well until Kirk Cousins wins a game that matters I'm not, right. I'm not th- worrying about you the Vikings put this game on a on a on a Monday night and then you're guaranteed Saints victory basically that's yeah. how that's Pretty, how that works with him right exactly um, the Bears season do you have a do you have a wrap-up? Do you have some feelings? They they fired four of their coaches, and mm-hmm. then they hired somebody yesterday on New Year's Day, which was a, lot of odd, it was a little odd. A lot of NFL business done on New Year's Day for coaching. Get a life. I thought that was weird. <laughs> Get a life, like, really. You guys just wait a day. Yeah, you can't. So, players have practice off. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Just wait. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any thoughts that I haven't shared the last 16 weeks. Right. I mean, this is just... Um, I see they com- they've committed to Trubisky for 2020. Yeah, and I saw people laughing at that or being or Bear fans that were upset with that. I mean, to me, it, 
makes 100% total sense. I mean, these guys don't want to have to answer that question for the next four months leading into the draft. Better they, get it out of the way. And they don't want to have to answer it all summer. Um, the fact that they didn't talk about extending him, that's what I wanted to hear. Um, I, I 100% believe that Trubisky was going to be their, their number one guy going into next season. And, and, and he's now playing for a contract. Now you have to put up or shut up. Um, what I thought was interesting was there was some kind of there was some roundtable that was done the other day um, that included uh, Matt Forte, Olin Krutz, um, like him, and uh, I think maybe like Big Cat Williams okay. and and uh, uh, Carter, who used to be uh, played at F- Kevin Carter, I think, or right. four bear guys, and they were all talking about Trubisky. And to a man, they all said he ain't the guy; he's a backup. He he ain't the guy. The only and, and Forte made a great point. He said the only way you can really say he's your guy is if you are going to dedicate and build build a power running game and a very very stout defense to put around him because you know he's just not a playmaker. It's kind of like Cousins. You know they can have these games where they have decent stats, but they're not playmakers, and a lot of their stats are garbage stats. You know, like in that Packer, the last Packer Bear game, Trubisky's stats looked good, but yeah. it's like he sucked for three quarters of that game. It wasn't until the fourth quarter when the Packers were up two, two, three scores, and they have to throw, right. and then he kind of compiles some stuff. It's it's the Matt Stafford effect, you know. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do in the draft. They don't have a lot of picks because they they've the they've, they've traded some away. Yeah. Um, the firing of the coaches, I mean, that's just typical NFL scapegoating well, to me. I mean, what I don't understand, this is a lot like the Packers have been the last couple of years. Like, one one notable one that I thought was interesting but yet should be a non-story to me is the offensive coordinator because the offense was bad this year, but that's because the head coach calls it. So I want to know. What does he do? What does the offensive right. coordinator do? And it's kind of like what Mike McCarthy, because he's always been in charge. Of the, so to me, it's never really mattered who the old coordinator was because you didn't know what he did, how much he prepared, and how much say he had into what McCarthy wanted to scheme for each individual opponent. So these head coaches that, that want have to have their own schemes and call their own plays, why do you even need an offensive coordinator? Is it just to see different things on film and point out stuff that maybe is just another pair of eyes in 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 the film room or on game day? I mean, I don't know. Like, what I want to know: what does an offensive coordinator do if the head coach calls the plays? But the thing that's funny about the whole thing to me is like their offensive coordinator the last couple of years has been Mark Helfrich, right. the former Oregon Duck coach. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is that guy an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Like, what the hell has he done? To, to prove that, I mean, I think he worked under Chip Kelly and then took the job when Chip Kelly left to go to the Eagles, and then he got fired, fired. from Oregon. So, right. like, why is he an offensive coordinator in, in pro football? I don't I don't get it. I don't know. And that seemed, and it's not unique to the Bears. It happens all the time across the right. league where these, these failed coaches at other levels all of a sudden are promoted to pro jobs. It's, it's a little head-scratching. It's kind of like... Uh, What's his fate? Kingsbury getting the yes. getting the Cardinal job. Mm-hmm. You're a sub five hundred coach in the Big Twelve, a conference whose best team year in and year out is Oklahoma, who routinely goes to the playoffs and gets shit on because they can't play because defense. they can't guard anybody yeah. and stop anybody. But yet this guy's now a NFL head coach. So well, I, I don't know. You can survive then because if you hire a good defensive coordinator, then you don't have to worry about. I it. I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I, and I did see, I did read this morning that the offensive line coach that they hired worked for five out of his 18 seasons he spent in Philadelphia with Nagy. So there is a connection there. Sure. Um, but he's been out of the league the entire year. And you know what? I don't know why more football teams don't do that. Like, if I'm the head coach, I want to get dudes working for me that I know and trust. So long as you've I'm, been I'm not in gonna, a place that's yes, been successful. For sure. Like, if you've got a bunch of coaches and you've got three, four wins a season, maybe that's not the guys that you want around But, like, you. I know Andy Reid is kind of Nagy's mentor, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of love and respect there. But, like, I'd be trying to steal everybody off Andy Reid's staff I could get. Right. Because this is business now. Yes. I totally agree. So, all right. So that'll put the wrap on the Bears. Uh, the Packers 
played terribly once again <laughs> against the Lions. You have it marked down as hilarious. It was it was one of the funniest NFL games I've seen all year. So bad. I mean, so Aaron Rodgers. If you put a if you put a C on the side of his helmet, he would have looked like Trubisky for like three quarters of that game. Just missing guys, throwing yes. it at their feet, throwing yes. it over their heads. Yes. It's like what the hell? It's it, it was bad. It was, and I he got a little chippy with the media. Surprise today, where he said something to the effect of "You guys, you guys, media beat writers." Uh, like to portray us as an average football team that just barely wins ball games, but we've been barely winning to a thirteen and three. And if we need to barely win two more, then we're in the Super Bowl. But Which, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I just don't think that that translates to the playoffs. I don't either. It's I, completely I different. And these guys like Rogers, they want to have it both ways, where they put up great stats, and maybe the team's not as great, but it's like, hey. I had a great year, but then like this year he's having a little bit of a down season and people are questioning him and he's like, well, we're 13 and three. What, what do you want? All point, I care about is winning. Point it's like, to the winning. Well, do you, do you just care about the winning? Like, I, I mean, I understand everybody's got their own personal ego, but he said that he either a week or two ago, he said something to the effect when somebody had pointed out that his numbers have dropped and he said, he doesn't feel like he needs to put up those gaudy numbers for them to be successful for all the guys that they have around him on the team. And that's fine. That's fair. But in the meantime, his numbers have looked completely pedestrian, save for the touchdown to interception ratio. That is a gold star if you want to award one of some of his numbers. Yeah, but I heard I heard like over a third of the league this year had single digit uh, interceptions. Okay, I, so I haven't checked. And, and the rest you know, of the I mean, it's well documented around here with Rodgers. He just isn't a guy that's going to throw into tight coverage. No. where there's a lot of chances. If he gets of an interceptions, it's either off off one of his receivers. Or right. it's really, really right. bad. And, and Rogers' greatest trade, in my opinion, from the day he walked onto the uh, into the starting spot for the Packers, is his accuracy. That's why this year his inaccuracy has been so alarming, at least to me. Um, I, I heard the funniest, most ridiculous stat ever after that Packer-Lion game, the fact that they beat the Lions twice and didn't lead for one second in either game. Mm-hmm. But you're going to tell me that we're not supposed to think you're average when you can't lead in a game against a three-win Lion team? I, I think like, it's embarrassing. I, I don't... There's, I think it's, it's embarrassing. Just, it doesn't translate for me. I don't like it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean... 13. I just think they're 11-5 and five team. Their record's 13-3, and three, and like Parcel said, you are what your record says you are. But I think in reality, this is a 10-6, and 11-5 team. If, if Mahomes plays in Kansas City, they beat you. Probably. Um... You you snuck out the first Viking game. You've snuck out both of these both, games. Both Detroit games. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that yeah, they're thirteen and three. They could very easily be ten and six, eleven and five, and I don't think it would change my opinion of them. I think when and if they get absolutely annihilated in the playoffs, which is a I don't possibility. Think gonna, I, don't I don't think they're going to get annihilated. But it's a possibility, it, it especially is, sure. if they go on the road to San Francisco again. I don't know whether there's going to be a repeat of that if they make it to the NFC Championship, but New Orleans is not exactly going to come in, and I'm counting on them to beat the Vikings and going up, up to Green Bay. Um, I don't really think that if and when the Packers lose, the national media is going to be kind. I think I think the story that that the narrative that Packers fans have been talking about, the ones that are non quote unquote non believers, mm-hmm. which they've been labeled as, mm-hmm. uh, that's gonna catch on and get national fuel and say, well, now we're going to look at the entire track record and, you know, everything that they've done this year and we're gonna start poking holes in it. And then we're gonna see like Maybe this wasn't the team that we thought it was. Because I think that that's a lot of what people in Minnesota and Illinois and the, the surrounding region are saying of, of opponent, you know, fans of their rivals. But I don't think the national media has really adopted a lot of that necessarily. I think they just look at the record and they just look at Aaron Rodgers. They say, oh, he must be having a great year because they're 13-3 and three and Lafleur's a good coach. Well, there's been a couple in the national media that have done it, but they get dismissed because Packer fans just call them haters. I mean, Cowherd's been banging that drum all year that this team is... Well, but you just did it. He's been banging that, that drum but, forever, But though. he's talking about this team has got all these flaws. This is not a... Yes, they're 13-3. and three. Yes, you went 6-0 and oh in your division... Two of your teams in your division were dumpster fires, um, and like I said, you pulled a couple couple of games out that 
yeah, you want him, but you easily could have not. Um, I, I just think there's some interesting things with this particular Packer team going into the playoffs. Uh, I think with maybe the exception of Zimmer, maybe, every game the Packers will have the worst of the two coaches. Every game. Peyton's better. Carroll's better. Peterson's better. Shanahan's better. The only one you could maybe question is Zimmer. Maybe. But at every other every other game, you're at a coaching disadvantage. You just are. And, and part of that is experience, but you just are. And that's got to be a factor. Um, the other thing is Aaron Jones has had a really good year, but he's been really inconsistent. Like, he's had some monster games. He's had some games where you don't even really know he's on the field. So, but do you think that's what part am I going to of... get from him in the playoffs? Are they going to turn around and hand him the ball twenty five times? Well, is that on that on him, or is that what what the scheme is dictated? Because I would argue that when he gets the touches that he has, he's been effective. That's fine. If they don't go to him, there's a pattern of them not doing well. Sure. So I don't know what this game is going to dictate well, for whoever I'm, the opponent is. And I'm not even saying I blame Aaron Jones. I'm just saying there's been games this year where he's been non-existent. Correct. Um, but I but I'm not right. But I'm not putting that on him. I'm putting that on uh, squarely on Lafleur. And I also think just Packers and general Packer fans in general should enjoy this because he, he this he will never do this again. He's just—he's not going to score twenty touchdowns again. No. It's not going to happen. I don't. It's not going to happen. It doesn't ha- look at the look at the history of the league. I know, but I guess I'm seeing if 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 you're calling it this, and this is a reality that Aaron Rodgers is regressing. They're not going to start depending on him a whole lot, and they're going to count on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and whoever to burden a little bit more heavy load. So I'm not I'm not willing to really dismiss this one season as an aberration and say we're never going to see this again because if this is the trend, you might have Rodgers going down and Jones going up and the scale might tip a little bit in Jones's, you know, well, favor. Defenses now will have a, an entire offseason sure. to adjust. For sure. And as he gets going more and has more touches, he will actually lose playing time because he will start getting more banged up. Well, and they I mean, will start not, ha- they will start having to split more carries with. He's Williams. not Eddie George in his twelfth season, but he's also not a very big dude. Well, that's true too. So you know, you keep throwing those swing passes, and linebackers are teeing off on him at full speed. That that takes its t- toll. But I don't know, man. It's going to be an interesting playoff. Um, you know, the AFC. I mean. Can the, I just the ask? Saturday games, the, the first, I mean, they're bad games. Why are why are we all of a sudden doing both AFC on one day know, and weird, more right? AFC on the other? I don't know. Because they, they've never done that. No. Have they? No. Okay. I, that's got to be a... It's got to be a network thing. Kind of what I would think. But, but the two Saturday games are going to be just... I have no interest in Buffalo at Houston. Um, I might watch a little bit of Tennessee at New England, but honestly, I don't care who wins there either. I... I've been hearing all this stuff about how, you know, the Patriots are ripe for the pick and the dynasty's about to end, Tennessee's hot, Vrabel knows Belichick, and I'm just sitting there going, you know that that's a night game at Foxborough, right? I think that's probably <laughs> what they want people to It's a say. night game at Foxborough. They don't lose night games at Foxborough in the playoffs. I'm that's, sorry. That's probably what they want people saying. Like, yeah, you can go talk. Go ahead. Talk all you want about this. Yeah. That's fine. And then the game's going to happen, and it's going to be – it's going to be maybe not a slaughter, but it's not going to be close. That Buffalo-Houston game could be like 13-10. <laughs> really, I mean, I, I don't think – I think if I think if you get to 20, you win that yeah. game. Uh, NFC this weekend, we already talked about Minnesota at, at New Orleans. I'm not really sure that the Vikings stand a chance just because of Cousins in a huge game on the road. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I just don't think so. Yeah, the only advantage – for them, is it's in a dome, which Indoor, is better right? than yeah. playing outside freezing sure. or something. Yep. But I don't know. Yeah, I I would be very very surprised if they went down there and won. Seattle at Philadelphia really is the only interesting game to me in the whole in 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 the two day slate. The battle of the backup teams. I, I mean, I, they both have starting quarterbacks, and basically everybody else on their rosters are hurt. <laughs> Seattle has like no linemen, and they dragged Marshawn bad. Lynch's corpse. Off the street, you know what? And he, Philadelphia is playing with their scout team. <laughs> it's ridiculous how banged up those two teams are. <laughs> You'd be bad at NFL marketing if you were in the department. Hey, come watch! Oh these. my god! Here's why. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and I, one thing you said about the Packers that 
uh, I want to just touch on briefly. I don't think that they have a chance of getting blown out. Okay. I think that uh, it, their second game or their first game is probably going to be against the Saints at home. I mean, un- unless the weather is like today, it's probably going to be cold. You could get some snow or some bad rain. I don't know that New Orleans is going to score a bunch of points to blow you out. I think the worst thing that I think San Francisco, the one team they do not want to see is Green Bay. Really? Yeah. I don't think you want to see them again um, because they were so bad the first time you played them. I think they'll make adjustments, and I think in a one-game scenario, what the hell is Jimmy Garoppolo won? What 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 big Nothing. games has that guy played in? Nothing. I mean, granted, we he might maybe he's like Tom Brady, and he'll just the first time he's in the playoffs, he just wins the Super Bowl. I doubt it. Usually, those guys got to kind of take their lumps. Um, I don't know, man. I I think that's a bad matchup for the Niners. Rodgers being back out home, trying to get to the Super Bowl. It's kind of poetic. Mm. Uh, Seattle and Green Bay would be kind of fun in the conference championship game. I'd be fine with that, only considering it would be in in Green Bay. Yeah, Um, that'd be kind of fun. Just because that's kind of been the that's really been the NFC rivalry of the decade. Yep. No, you know you're right. You know, and 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 that would be that would be a fresh chapter. And I honestly, I'm not sure I would like that because. There's just I think a Russell lot of Wilson is just a guy that pulls things out of his ass, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Seattle, is, I think a lot of Packers fans would be scared to death if all of a sudden you have the Seahawks, whether you're playing them at home or not. Mm-hmm. I think they would be scared to death because then you just drudges up all it's, these. It's like past feelings. It's sixteen to twelve. Yes, with three minutes left in the game, and Seattle has the ball. I mean, the way Packer fans feel about Russell Wilson is kind of the way Bear fans like feel about Rodgers, where it's like, okay, here we go. We're winning with two and a half minutes to go, and he's going to run it down and throw some bullshit to Randall Cobb, and he's going to run 65 yards, and everybody's going to blow Rodgers and say, oh, my God, he's so great. That's kind of the Russell Wilson thing with yeah. the Packers. It's like he's just going to chuck one into the end zone. Ha-ha's not going to cover anybody, <laughs> and they're going to score a touchdown and go to the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's like, really? Yep. Yeah. Or or a, or a really terrible special teams gaffe, yes. which everybody will just pick up their jaw and their tongue from the floor because they can't believe that. Well, just happened. when we get that, when we go on, we, we're going to talk about another one that I think we need to talk about, like all timers that we can think For of. sure, because it's up there. I'm fine with that. It's up all right. There. So that's the that's the uh, NFL talk. You got something on the 2003 yeah, draft and class, we, and we've ta- we've talked about these guys a little bit before. The 03 draft class of of Eli Manning, Phil Rivers, and and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Sounds like Eli's done. Yes. He he came out and said, being a backup was not fun. I don't want to do that. And, he, and nobody's going to give him a starting start position job. unless it's a team that drafts a quarterback in the first round and they're just like, we don't want to start him week one, come in and you know play a little bit. But didn't sound like he was too keen on that. And Phil Rivers, it sounds like he's probably done with the Chargers. Yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody gives him a chance, but man, he was really pretty bad this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got old very quickly. Um, a lot of picks. A lot of picks. A lot of lot of late game sloppy numbers that didn't mean anything. I mean, that team was a mess all year. But um, and I actually was. Uh, I'm doing a thing. I'm trying to do something for records and team good teams in this decade and bad teams of this decade. And as I was looking through the Chargers, like his record's not good in the 2010s. Yeah. It's like it's below five hundred. Yeah, that's why I can't you know? really jump on the hall. I mean, we had this conversation yeah. in a previous yeah. podcast. That's why I really can't jump on the Hall of Fame. Like they've had a couple of really good teams yeah, that they have. didn't didn't probably go as far as they should have. But they, I mean, a lot. I think he had like four or five nine and seven seasons. Some you know five win four win. Mm-hmm. So and then they get to the playoffs and they lose. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just how that's it just how, how it works. Been. So yeah, and then and then they. But can't. these guys, my moral of my story is they're getting old. Yeah. And, and Roethlisberger, man, I I mean, obviously the Steelers still need him uh, based yeah, on their situation. Do. But I mean, shit, he's like thirty seven, and you, you got to start. That planning. guy, he's like got the body of a sixty year old. If you haven't started planning for post Big Ben, I mean, you need to start doing that like yesterday. Well, in this year, like with the Packers a couple of years ago, I mean, this has got to be an eye opening red sure. flag. Like, what of, do we have? You know, Not much. No, nothing. No, nothing. So I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen the 
um, the draft class, you know, the draft order outside of the top five or six or whatever. But I would be curious because they're not they're not down there where they're going to be grabbing no right a quarterback of of the future probably. So that's one of those funny things that sometimes franchises screw themselves. It's like we're the Steelers, we make the playoffs, we're just going to go for it. When in reality, they should have been trying to get Joe Burrow. Absolutely, you know, like okay, Big Ben's not here, let's lose. Yeah. Because I mean, because he's got a limited amount of time left. If we if we you know start this guy forever and for the rest of the season, and we wind up with one or two wins, we're fine with that for one year because we can blame it all on the fact that our franchise quarterback is hurt. Then we can get the future because it shows us that this guy has a shelf life that we need to be prepared for. And now we can go get somebody else. And then you can have the return of Big Ben. He's going to mentor this guy. And all is well. Shit, the Bengals did it this year. They benched Dalton for 10 games, and A.J. Green sat out the whole year with a sprained ankle. I mean. and Yeah, but <laughs> they're still going to fuck that up because they're the Bengals. Probably. That's, Probably. That, that's how that's going to work. All right, college football, the Rose Bowl from yesterday. Man. That was, a, that was a tough loss. You know, I talked to one of my buddies today, um, and he said, oh, that, that was a real heartbreaker. I wouldn't classify it as a heartbreaker. No. Because the more you saw them turning the ball over, the more you got mad, and the, bo- and the more, to me, you say, well, they deserve to lose this one. Right. It wasn't like they played great and somebody pulled a, made a play and beat you at the last second. And you, and you were just crushed. Right. It's like this, and I, I think what I read on social media last night and, and this morning is that a lot of people weren't classifying that as a really tough loss. It was just one of those losses where it's like, that sucks because you're the better team yeah, and you outplayed them. And the, the mistakes that you made in the game led to it. It wasn't anything really that the other team did other than, other than capitalize on your boneheadedness. Yes. That's, that's pretty much all it was. And for, for a guy who's been heralded as a top three, top five quarterback, whatever, in entirety of college football, Justin Herbert doesn't look like that yesterday. I agree with you, and I saw a lot of NFL media people like really touting him after that game. Like why? I, I saw uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was, somebody said, this game is proof of why uh, this kid is a franchise changer, and I thought, Based on what? Because he like, ran for three yeah. touchdowns? And he had only run for one the whole year until yesterday when he ran for three. But like, I, I, don't I just understand didn't, that. I didn't see it. No. I thought, I thought outside of the first drive where you were like, okay, this offense is really good, they didn't do much offensively um, for the rest of the game that was dictated on you know, the Badgers scoring have, than giving them the ball. Did they have a sustained drive after the first drive? Because it seemed like every other time they scored, it was off of a, of, a turnover where they got the ball in Badger territory. Like, they never drove down the field. I'd have to look, but it didn't seem like it to me. It didn't seem like it at all. But, um, I, I mean, the turnovers were the major, you know, the major storyline. You know, you had you had the punt, which you alluded to oh from, from Lottie, which I'm really surprised that they yanked him in, in the second half, but... Uh, you know, they went to, I think, a redshirt senior. I didn't even know who the backup punter was until he didn't got in the game. You had a backup right. punter. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then you had Taylor doing Jonathan Taylor things. You know, that's got to be a concern for next level guys because yeah, the, the one time. of the knocks on him has been that he fumbles. Yep. And that's followed him since his freshman year when he would get yanked so quick as soon as he put the ball on the deck. Well, and I mean, you just can't fumble in the pros. No. I don't care I'm, how good you are, no. you just can't put the ball on the ground. Nope. And um, you had the fumble by Danny Davis because they kept going to that jet sweep. And I said it this morning in my commentary. It's like at that point when they when they had Davis was like the fourth wide receiver that they had on that jet sweep. And to me, that's when Taylor was just starting to get cooking and was yep. really starting to gash that that Oregon defense. And it didn't look like they could stop him. And he just looked to be on the edge. I think the I think Fowler Herbstreit might have said that he, he they could tell he was just. Just a little bit away from breaking one. And he was, like, right at the 2,000-yard number, and then they took him out. And I'm, I'm watching the game. But that's happened all year. I know, and I, it has, because you've, you've talked about it a lot. Yes. I, I'm watching that the other day, and there's, like, third and five, and I'm like, why is he not in the game? Isaac Garendo, the freshman, was getting was getting touches and looks. You had is that uh, is that a Paul, is that a Paul Chris decision know. or is or is that Joe Rudolph? I don't know. 
I, I would know. really that would be I would be curious to know that because you had Nikki Watson, you had the jet sweeps, you had Stocky the fullback. It's like you have a and he didn't is he, he should have been a Heisman finalist. You got that guy. You got the best running back for right. sure. For sure. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I wonder if that's like a conscious effort on the part of of the program to maybe limit his touches. If if that's yeah, but, what it is, it's but, been all year. But it's like you can't do that in the Rose Bowl. Ride him. Yes, it's his last game. Ride him. I'm sure he would tell you, give me the ball 40 times. Right. Yeah. I will take the risk. I will take the personal health risk. I want to win the Rose Bowl. He's, he's your best player. Yeah. And yet he's getting subbed out Wait, for you mean, freshmen. You mean he's – are you sure he's the best player? I mean, Cohen's pretty good. I saw some more Badger media people today. Well, that's talking, just what they do. They used to talking they, about. They defended Hornibrook too, though. So I, I don't put any stock. They, they're just drinking the the Badger Kool Aid. They started talking about quarterback rating during the middle of the year, and his numbers were good. And even though it didn't, but it's like you and and you're a big guy on this. Is that stats don't tell the whole thing? No. You can look at stats and say that guy's got. Pretty good numbers. He must have been awesome. You watch the game and you're like, how the hell did he get those numbers? Totally. Because that's how I feel about Jack Cohn. Yeah, he might have had a good quarterback rating and he might have thrown a couple touchdowns and not had a an interception or whatever. But, I mean, again, there's that downfield passing. I, we had my parents over yesterday and I was like, and even some people during the game said, I'm ready to see Mertz mm-hmm. after he underthrew that bomb where the receiver had five yeah. or seven yeah, yards a, on the that guy. Was, that's got to be a touchdown. And he underthrew it, and it should have been picked off, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And I'm like, can we get somebody? And even somebody said uh, online today, one of my friends, like, I just, this is them talking, I hope I live to see the day where we have a Badger quarterback that can throw the ball downfield effectively because it doesn't seem like anybody can. Other than Jim Sorge, those it. one or that one or two years, that's been about it. Somebody who can be mobile, hit some slants, and throw some wheel routes, and that's pretty much it. But don't look for a forty or fifty yard bomb. Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those things with the Badgers too. Every time they lose a game like this, it comes back to you know, oh, they need to modernize and they need to do this. I don't think that's the issue. I think the personnel was the problem this year at the quarterback. I mean, it's not like Cone was terrible, but no. with a, with guys like that, when you, it's just like it's just like when we talk about Kirk Cousins. If you're Jeff Patrikas or you're one of these Badger reporters, and you want to tell me that Cohen is good, okay, how did he do against Ohio State? How did he do against Michigan? And how did he do against Oregon? I don't care what he did against Northwestern or Indiana or Purdue. They suck. That's not who you should be worried about beating. If you're a, and they are, if you're a top 15 program in the country, you should be worrying about trying to beat Ohio State, not Indiana. So don't tell me, well, he threw for 290 and three scores and had six incompletions against it. I don't care. I've seen 10 Badger quarterbacks do that. What I haven't seen them do is pick apart Ohio State's NFL caliber safeties. Right. I haven't seen that. I've seen it from other teams. Saw it the other night in the Clemson game. Haven't seen that from the Badgers. Maybe Mertz is that guy. I don't know. But what I do know is high-level recruits do not come to programs like Wisconsin to not play. And if he goes into next year as the backup again and Cohen plays most or all of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if Mertz left. Because that's just what guys do now. Yes. It's not like back in the day where you could come in and you're content to sit for two years. These guys are like, no, no, no. I want to play now and get that shit out of the way so then I can go make money in the pros. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to be here for five years and if also, I'm a top 30 recruit in the country. And also, I want to throw the ball. For sure. I mean, yeah, it's Wisconsin. you got to recognize you're probably going to hand off a lot of the time. But you know what? When we do throw the ball, I want to go downfield. I don't want to throw a screen. I don't want to throw a slant. I don't want to throw an out. I want to go get somebody down the seam. I want to get somebody on a fly pattern down the sideline. Let's go. You don't like those two-yard outs to, to oh God. Pryor and 
I mean, the, the sad part about it is... I'm tired of seeing those with the Packers. I know. I'm tired of seeing those with the Badgers. They're just basically like extended run plays, more That's or what less. they are, yeah. th- that you can't get to the edge on it, and the defense cuts you off. Right. That's all it is. So it's like, what did they do on one, one of their first drives that they really needed? They really... And then they backed up two yards because they threw an out, and the guy got tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Well, the shame of the whole thing is... The Badgers had a chance. They were really, really close to having a really, really special year. Yes. They were really close. I said that this morning. You know, I don't know that this this wasn't the best Badger team I've ever seen. No. But, but they had a chance to have a really, really special year. With the schedule that they were given mm-hmm. and and the players that they had, if they, again, I mean, we talked about it in a previous podcast, if you don't stub your toe, toe at Illinois, you go into that Big Ten championship game with a shot. Mm-hmm. at getting to the playoffs. Yep. Now, looking at the team and how they did in those big situations, I'm not sure it would have been pretty. Right. But at the same time, if that's what you're aspiring to do, you at least step one is to get there. Right. Prove that you For can sure. get there. Yep. That's yep. all. That, And I think that's all anybody wants. And the other shame is Cephas is really good. He is. And he's just kind of wasted. You know, I mean... That catch he made on the sideline that was interference, and, they, and he actually stepped out of bounds. That, that wasn't that, a catch. That, that was an amazing. That was a great play. Yes, it was. I mean, yeah, it technically wasn't a catch, but like that was a that was an NFL receiver play, and it's just unfortunate that he doesn't get an opportunity to make more plays because then it would take so much pressure off of the running back. But that's just not the way they operate. And um, were were you uh, were you happy, excited? When you saw Paul Chris dropping f bombs on TV, did you like that? Um, I mean, you had to be like me and be like, "Holy shit!" It, well, he's yeah, alive, but, right? Because it, 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 all of the press conferences and all of the pregame interviews and postgame interviews, it's basically a robot regurgitating <laughs> the same message. It's pretty close. That, man. I mean, that's all close. it is. Like, I, I saw Rinaldi try to talk to him before the game, and he said, what's the message? And he just went off on some tangent that didn't yes, even did. even talk about yeah. whatever Rinaldi was asking. And I'm like, I, if I was Rinaldi, but so can you answer the question? <laughs> like, like, that's what I would follow up as. I mean, I obviously wouldn't because on a national stage, you're not going to look like a dick right. talking to the coach. But at the same time, you get done with that interview, and I've had some of these as well, where, like, you leave and you're like, that person didn't really answer any of the questions that I asked them. If he, if you put a sweater on him and he was like 15 years older, he's Ted Thompson. Right. Yes. Yes. So, and I'm a Paul Christ fan. I like the guy. I, I, I'm very happy he's the Badger coach. We've seen they can certainly do worse. His players love him. They do. And Herb Street said something during the game, and I appreciate this. He said, you know, his demeanor, the calm, calm, cool demeanor. Like, you take on the personality of that as a team, and I think that that is a great thing. I don't think, you know, everybody's got their own style. The screaming and yelling, Coach, that's kind of outdated. And it also gets old real quick. It does. Then you've got these wonky, goofy guys like Dabo Sweeney and Mike Leach. And, Mike Leach. and it's like, I don't really know that I'd want to play for that. Like, I, I like the calm, cool, collected. But there's been times during his tenure where it's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lose it, man. And and, and, and he finally did. And you need to keep kick, kick it up a notch yes. because sometimes, sometimes you, everybody just needs to see you get really pissed and off. Not only that, I would be curious to see what his pregame speech is because are your players? I really appreciate you guys being here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm so appreciative of the, right? the chance to be it's here. Like, and... Do you walk out of the stadium like really into the into the field of play, really fired up? Uh, you just walk out like. Well, that was a nice math test that we just took. Now we got to go play football. Yeah, like I mean, that that's that's your approach. Like you got to get fired up a little bit. But it's, it's I wish he would treat. I wish he was more on the football field the way Alvarez is around his grandkid. That was so great. It's highlight of the game for me personally. Highlight of the game. And and I was all I was like, find me this this gif right now. I need it. Whatever. And it's just. Get out of here, my, kid. My mom said something to me about that today. She's like, did you see that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it was one of those moments where it's like, get the hell out of here. I'm watching the game. Where is your mother? You know, like. In get, back. Yeah. What do you, get, come get your kid. In back. It's the freaking Rose Bowl. Yes. You know, we, and it, I think it was like, didn't they just throw an interception or something? No, and they, they panned to him. No, and, they, they, they threw an out. 
and out and up to Ferguson, and then they mentioned oh, they showed Alvarez's it to him. Okay. grandkid, okay. and then they they showed some graphic, and then they came back right to Barry, and his immediate thing is get the hell out of here. I'm trying to watch the game, and then his wife jumps in. But you got grandma. Okay, okay, you yeah, can't, right. You, you can't bother him right. during the game. Don't bother you know? grandpa. Right, exactly. He's having his whiskey and watching football. But it's funny, like you you have to think that ESPN they must have had a camera on him the whole game. Yes, the whole game mm-hmm. just. Okay, camera dude, just sit here. Watch Barry. Watch Barry Alvarez, and if something good happens, we'll go to him. But it was perfect timing. It was perfect timing. It was like it was like Michael and I were talking. It was the kid. It was the neighbor kid in Home Alone. Yeah, who's talking to the van driver while they're trying to get everybody? Do these vans get good gas mileage? Do they have four wheel drive? And the bus driver goes, "Look, I told you before, kid, don't bother me." (laughs) Exactly. That's what it was. It was perfect. So. Disappointment, yeah. It was a good season, sure. I mean, you you and I were talking last night. Um, you know, you beat your chief rival. You get the axe back, which is important to them. Mm-hmm. You win the division. You go to the Big Ten title game. You still make the Rose Bowl. I don't think any team would really complain about that. There is a little bit left on the table of, boy, what would it have been if we had done this or we hadn't done that? But I think that's like that with every team. But I think when you look over, you know, a 10-4 and four record might not seem very shiny on the surface, but when you look at what they did and, 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 and what they accomplished, I think it's still pretty good. Yeah, I think it's just in the way college football set up is just you get a little bit of fool's, fool's gold early on. They were like 6-0. and oh. Yeah, you, you know, shut I mean, right? Well, exactly. And, but you end up ten and four, and you're like, oh boy, they're only four and four down the stretch. That's right. not very good. Yeah. But well, and and uh, you know, you didn't win as many games as Minnesota, so and they won their bowl. That's all right. And they beat an SEC. That team. That was a really good game, actually. That it was Tyler, that Tyler Johnson's going to be playing on Sundays. It was even more fun to watch Nick Saban run the score up on Harbaugh. I, I that was fun. I appreciated that. That was so funny. much. I don't. I, I, I'm one of these people who doesn't want the Big Ten to get embarrassed because then the national conversation goes to Big Ten sucks, SEC's awesome, you know, whatever. I didn't have a problem with that. You could beat Harbaugh, you could beat his brains in. Doesn't matter to me. I'm that that's completely fine. What one more thing about college football. Sure. I had this discussion over the holidays with some people. I just think it's a total mistake what the NCAA has done with their bowls. Our entire lives, up until about the last five or so years. Well, January 1st was what? It was College Bowl Day. Yes, it was. They had four games yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I thought there would at least be six. That's, a, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like, that should they should be a game on at 9 o'clock in the morning, and there should be a game getting over at, like, 1130 at night yeah. on New Year's Day. Yep. That's not what happened. You should be flicking. Like, being able to flick back and forth between the Minnesota and Michigan game was fun. Yes, But it then was. that's over, and it's like, okay, well, the Badgers are on. Waiting for the Rose Bowl. Now i got to watch this whole game. Waiting for the Sugar Bowl. And then there's the Sugar Bowl, and it's like, oh, I don't, you know. And then and then that's it. Yeah. No, because, like, I think on, on the 30, the 29th or the 30th, there were seven games, well, the, I think. Was the Orange Bowl New Year's Eve or the night before New Year's Eve? Was that, who, who was in that? Was that Florida? Yeah. Uh, but it's like, why it is was, that game not on New Year's Day? It was on Monday. Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. I don't know. Is it just because there was no Monday Night Football? I don't know. I don't know. They, they've they spaced them out so it just much. It seems like a mistake. And, you and, owned that day. Well, here's the thing, too. They're all on ESPN now. Like, you used to get the Rose Bowl on ABC. You used to get some other bowls on CBS. Now there's some games on Fox and some FS1 and CBS Sports Network for some of the shittier ones. Yeah. It's like you have so many networks, but it seems like ESPN wants all of them, and you, you had three of them yesterday all in succession, so there was no overlap. Yeah. Like, now, that's the way the 29th or the 30th or whatever it was, that should be New Year's Day. You have one on CBS, you have one on ABC, you have one on ESPN. Watch them all at the same time and then keep going with that. I mean, to me, that day for college football is kind of their equivalent of March Madness. For sure. Where it's like the cool part of the day and of the bowl was that there was a shitload of them on. Yes. So you could go game to game, like you said, and it's like, oh, this game's close in the fourth quarter and this one's in the second quarter. I'm going to watch the end of this game and then go over and watch this game. And they were good games. But you couldn't do it. They, you know, they they weren't some of the earlier bowls or anything like that. You know, if you were playing on New Year's. Doesn't like Indiana play still? I think they're playing tonight against Tennessee. Why are they playing after all the good there's bowls? So, there's so so stupid. There's five bowls between last there there's two there was two on today. Cincinnati was playing somebody mm-hmm. I can't even remember. And then Tennessee and Indiana and so there's five games between now and or New Year's Day and the championship in 2 weeks. 
Do, we, do we really I, need two weeks off? No, but I but like I want the lead up of the prestige, most you know, least prestigious to the most. Sure, yes, you know that's how they should do it. If if you want to have the semifinals, uh, the you know two days before Christmas, so you can have the finals on New Year's Day or the day after. Great, mm-hmm. that's fine, but don't give us you know a week in between filled with shitty bowls after New Year's Day because. People aren't going to care. No, like now, now that the NFL playoffs are started, it's like right. I don't give a shit about that game. No, who cares? No, you should have that game should be on a Thursday or a Friday night if you're going to have the NFL playoffs. And college football should end. NFL playoffs should start because people aren't like you said. They're not going to care. No, not going to care. No. All right, uh, you want to move to college hoops a little bit? We can fly through. Boy, we for not having much, we've <laughs> spent forty five minutes yeah. on a lot of stuff. Well. All right. Uh, Marquette played last night. Um, yeah, they got stomped pretty good. Yeah, they got blown out by Creighton. I didn't even know they were playing. Um, I didn't even know they played Central Arkansas, to be honest. I saw some people on Twitter talking about, is the Wojo experiment done? And I'm like, look, no. at, their, look at their record. Yeah, no. Look he, at what they've done. He's 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 doing pretty well at the program. I mean, you know, <laughs> you got to know who you are, man. They're not. They're not North Carolina. They're right. gonna have a. They're gonna have a year where they win twenty five games, and then they're gonna have a year where they win nineteen. The Badgers are gonna be that way now too. Mm-hmm. You know, the days of winning thirty every year are over. Um, Marquette. Yeah, they they destroyed Central Arkansas by a hundred, and then they got <laughs> beat last night by fifty. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I had I basically tuned out. They were down like twenty five in the second half, and I was yeah. like, ah, I'm I'm done with this game. Creighton's not a bad team. Creighton's good. Big East is pretty good this year. Yeah. Um. They don't have a great team, but they got a lot of balance. And Marquette plays Villanova on Saturday they, at home. Are they still good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're I think they're ten or eleven and two. Okay. All right. Um, so that that'll be a good game. Probably a loss for Marquette, though. They're probably going to start out the Big East zero and two. That's all right. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's okay. obviously quite early in the conference, and Badgers had a good week. Uh, went down and beat the hell out of Tennessee. That was really surprising. Well, first true road game and a and twenty point win. They I, and I don't mean to poo poo the Badgers winning <laughs> the game, but like Tennessee sucks, and they lost their best guy like. Right before that game, it was their first game without him. Um, they couldn't make a shot. I watched the first half of that game, and it, I mean, it was just Brick City from Tennessee. Badgers got hot. Trice played really well. Pritzel shot well. Pritzel shot well. Trice had another good game uh, the other night against Ryder again. Ford hit a bunch of threes too. Yeah. So they're playing. They're playing better, which is which is a good sign. It'll you know it remains to be seen when you get into the league because. Wow. You get into those leagues and it it turns into a meat grinder. And it starts Friday in a big way in Columbus. That's well, they that's... played they played Indiana and they played Rutgers, so yeah. there's they're two games in. But yeah, tomorrow night at Ohio State, I watched them the other day against West Virginia and they got beat. Um, but Ohio State's very good. Obviously, that's why Michael Potter is in Madison. Um, <laughs> the 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 Potter experiment, uh, I give it an incomplete for sure. I think the best thing that he brings for them is a little bit of depth. It allows Reavers and Ford to get a blow, not have to carry as much of a load, especially Reavers. Um, had a pretty good game against Tennessee, but then I think the other night against Ryder, like he didn't even score. Oh, really? Um, so, but what has he played? Three games, four games? Right. So he's he's trying to round into shape too, I understand. But, um, yeah, that's not not a lot to talk about with college hoops. We're kind of just getting into the meat of the season here after right. the first few years. So. And stuff. I'm uh I got to start watching with a little bit of keen eye because I got ten weeks to to get my uh for your March Madness before gets my tuned up. before my gambling uh, days <laughs> in Vegas start so I got I got to get ready. All right. All right. So the NBA uh, the Bucks played on on New Year's Day. Timberwolves were apparently banged up and it was a bad game for Milwaukee. Apparently they beat them by two. Yeah, I, I watched most watch, of the yeah. game and. Uh, that that T Wolf team, they were it was like a bunch of G League dudes, and they just played their ass off, and they were scrapping and making shots, and then uh, rookie Jared Culver dunked on Robin Lopez's head, and then told him to get off his dick, and Robin Lopez absolutely <laughs> lost his mind and chased him down the court. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I thought Robin Lopez was going to kill him. <laughs> he just kept saying, "What the fuck did you say to me? What did you say to me?" And the kid ended up getting a technical. I thought Robin Lopez was going to kill him. It was it was a hell of a dunk, but like you've been in the league for five minutes, and this dude's been in the league for a decade. You can't do that, right? You can't say that to him. He's mm-hmm. he will murder. And not only that, 
Robin Lopez was like six inches taller and probably seventy pounds heavier. He he would have he, he would him. destroy what, that guy. What was the, who was the game against in the last week where Lopez was sitting on the sideline when Giannis went right down the lane? Oh, that was the Bulls game. Threw down an absolutely monster dunk yeah. and Lopez just looked he passed like he out. just oh yeah. god. Yeah. That, I just I get I watched that on loop <laughs> and I didn't not laugh because it was just. It was just too funny. I like the Lopez guys. They're, yeah, they're good dudes. If, if as long as they're helping the team, I just keep them around just for comedy's sake. Yeah, they're they're great. Well, the Bucks have got excellent chemistry on this team, obviously, and um, Giannis missed a couple of games. They didn't miss a beat. Uh, Bledsoe, he's back. He, he's yeah. back. Wes Matthews has missed the last couple. He's got a mm-hmm. thigh bruise issue, but it doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, you know, they, they the beat goes on. I mean, they've won their last four in a row after that loss on Christmas Day to the Sixers. Um, I mean, I said to somebody the other day, if I'd have told you on New Year's Day they were going to have 30 wins, I don't think anybody would have taken that bet. Um, right now their schedule really softens up. They beat Atlanta, Orlando, Chicago, and Minnesota. The only one that's a playoff team right now is Orlando, and they're the eighth seed, and they're like five games under five hundred. So... Um, they got the Spurs to on Saturday, and then they, and travel then they turn for around. Swing. Yeah, they turn around and play them again in San Antonio. And the Spurs are they're not, they're not, not good. What they were. No, so you should probably win both those games. Good. So it's a good sweet spot to be in. Kind of even pad your your lead in the East a little more. Um, Philadelphia beats your brains in, and then turns around and loses like two of their next three. Oh, they did. So yeah, okay. they're already down to the. They're in the sixth spot right now. Wow. So uh, there's kind of a log jam. There's the Bucks, and then two through six is is kind of a log jam. There's only about a two game separation, um, and that'll you know we'll talk more about that as the season goes on once that shakes out. But still in a good spot. Giannis and Luca uh, leading the All Star voting that came out today. Not really surprised mm-hmm. on Giannis. A little surprised with Luca uh, that he's ahead of uh, LeBron. You know, anytime you're ahead of Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, right. that, that's. That's, a little surprising, yeah, but, but, that, but that'll tell you what what the league likes in a well, young star. We're we're in the era of the flavor of the month as well. And okay. Luke Luke is a very good player, and he's going to be for a long time. But um, he's just yeah, he's kind of the hot thing right now. And okay, and frankly, I think there's a lot of people like you and I that are just a little tired of the LeBron James show. So fine with me. All right, um, you had boy, I was really surprised to see. We start out the new year with, with with a couple of deaths. The only World Series perfect game, mm-hmm. Don Larson passed away. Yep. And then the other big one that I saw last night was David Stern, and I knew you were going to have some thoughts on that. And a, a lot of stuff came pouring in, and it, you're the NBA guy, really, that I talk to um, when I need a question answered or, or something like that. But in reading and hearing a lot of stuff and a lot of the talking heads, um, I mean, Stern was basically a savior of the league and got it to prominence by basically coming in and throwing a lasso around the wild, wild west and say, this is well, this is how it's going to be, and you guys are going to walk to the beat of my drum. Here, here are the guys that are awesome that I'm going to market. We're going to lean on these guys. This is how we're going to act. This is how we're going to conduct ourselves. And things just kind of took off from there. Did I summarize that all kind of in, in its most simplest form? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I have in my notes here. I mean, he's he is one of the two great commissioners in American sports history, along with Pete Rozelle, and they're kind of the same. You know, they 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 came into the league at a time when there was a lot of questions about where's it going. Um, you know, Rozelle obviously with the merger between the AFC, AFL and NFL, and then the creation of the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and he Stern came in as the commissioner in '84 which was Jordan's rookie year. Um, it was the first year that the Magic and Bird, Bird played in the finals. Correct. So it was a very big year for the league, you know, and not only Jordan. Jordan, Barkley, Stockton, a lot of guys came in that year. Um, he had been working in the league as, I think he was the deputy commissioner, and he had worked on legal counsel for the league in the 70s on some uh, free agency lawsuit stuff when that was kind of in its infancy when the players were trying to get some freedom. So... He had been heavily involved in the league for a long time. Um, it was funny. I saw David Aldrich, uh, longtime NBA writer, said something today where he was he was a he was tough. He was a bully, but he was one of those guys that like at the end of the day he he always tried to do what was best for the league. Um, you know, he made some mistakes. 
There's no question about it, but he did a lot of good things. Um, you know, the the league exploded with him as the commissioner. Um, you know, like you said, the, I mean, the wild, wild west of the NBA, like, you know, you had early 80s finals games on tape delay. You had a massive cocaine problem in the league. Not, and it wasn't just unique to the NBA, but uh, it was more apparent because, you know, frankly, in basketball, Everybody's right on top of you, and you're kind of naked out there. So if you're if you're on something, it's kind of you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. It was kind of dragging the league down. He put in some new drug policies that kicked some guys out of the league. Um, that really changed things. Um, he he always handled controversies pretty well. He, he's kind of the anti Goodell in that response yeah. or respect. Um, you know, I think just a couple of things I thought of off the top of my head. You know, the the Spreewell choking PJ yep. Carlissimo. Um, the the malice in the palace, the big fight there uh, between the Pistons and the Pacers, the Tim Donaghy uh, gambling issue. Um, you know, the league came out of that stuff pretty well unscathed. I mean, there was some initial backlash. You know, you can't have players going in the stands and you can't have a referee that's crooked, obviously. But he was able to weather those storms well, and, and the league didn't take much of a dip. Um I mean, the, the the two that I can think of that were most recent that were big to me was the Donald Sterling. Well, that was silver. Oh, it was? That was silver. Okay. And I actually was listening to Ryan Rosillo's podcast, and he had Jack McCallum on, longtime Sports Illustrated writer. And the day that Silver gave the press conference, it was like six months after he'd become commissioner. Oh, okay. So this was his first big All thing. Right. McCallum was in David Stern's office watching the press conference, and he said Stern was like actively rooting Adam on. Because that was his protege. And McCallum wanted to write an article about watching the press conference with Stern and really paint the guy in a good light, and Stern would not let him. He said it was all off the record. And, and McCallum said you know, he was pissed off that he didn't get to write the article, but in hindsight he was kind of like he didn't want it. Stern didn't want it to look like he was hovering or micromanaging Silver, which is a pretty – respectable thing Absolutely. to do from a man that's his show always now. been in power, always been the face yep. to, to kind of be able to take that step back. is pretty impressive, but um, you know, he, he was involved in some, there was some conspiracy things he was involved in. Everybody always points to the first Jordan retirement um, that Jordan and Stern have both vehemently denied. And, and that was another thing they talked about on this podcast. It's not true. He did not kick Michael Jordan out of the league for gambling. It's not true. It's been almost 30 years. If it was true, it would be leaked. It's just impossible that it's not. It's not the Kennedy assassination. (laughs) You know, we'd know something. Um, You had the Chris Paul trade about 10 years ago where New Orleans was set to send him to the Lakers, and he vetoed vetoed it, and it really changed the league. The Lakers end up getting Pau Gasol, win two titles. Chris Paul ends up going to the Clippers. They're supposed to win titles. They win nothing. So, um, you know, and, and at the time, the Hornets didn't have an owner. And then the league was kind of running the team. Right. So there was some things like, like well, why is, is this, are you is this calling the ethical, shots? Right. you yes. know, but again, he kind of was able to navigate out of that. Um, very instrumental in the dream team being created and, and, and creating the international buzz of basketball that we've seen in the last 25 plus years. But, you know, some, just a few mistakes that I, I thought he made. Oh, one more good thing that he did was the dress code. Um, a lot of people thought it was racist when he implemented that because it was kind of basically it was the Allen Iverson rule. It was the Allen Iverson and Steve Nash rule because Steve Nash just in general dresses like a hobo. <laughs> he's just a, he's just a weird Canadian that just uh-huh. wants to wear sweatpants and torn right. jeans and shit. He doesn't care. And Iverson would walk in dressed like a dude out of a rap video, and they were kind of trying to clean that up. What that has led to now is this catwalk that all these NBA guys do before the game. Yes. That they all love, all their fashion stuff. Everybody's so. in the tunnel watching them walk down off the bus. So that's got to be a win in the Stern column. you got to give them that. But yep. a couple of mistakes that I, I just thought of. Um, you you spoke to you know kind of marketing around the stars. It was perfect for the time because you had such big stars in Magic, Bird, and Jordan. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit away from the NBA at for this sure. point. I think that when you, you compare them to the NFL – um, it's not Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's the Patriots and they have Tom Brady mm-hmm. where it's Giannis and the Bucks. It's, you know, 
it's not the other way around. And right. I, I think that there is some good in that, but I think if for the long-term viability and interest, especially domestically, we're more team than individual. Well, I guess what I notice as, as just a, you know, a fair weather fan of, of of the Bucks when you look at the league and you you hear only you know a dozen to twenty names you know night in and night out of who did what and then you see there's a little bit of colluding going on where they all want to end up on one team for a few years yep. and it's like well I'm not really sure how I feel about that because then how much power do they really have as opposed to uh, where they would be going that might serve the league a little bit better. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so I guess I look at that, and I'm, I'm probably then basically agreeing with you on that it's gotten a little bit too far because now they've kind of got to rein that in almost a little bit, and I don't know how you do that. Well, and when LeBron James left Cleveland the first time to go to Miami, Stern was very upset. He did not want that to happen in the league. He did not want guys to, to um, team up in the way that that happened. If it happened organically where a general manager and an owner made some trades, that's one thing. But for guys, for the players to get to together and be decide, like, yeah. he was vehemently against okay. that, which, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Um, the, the, the super team was kind of a thing of this decade. I'm not sure this, the twenties are going to be that way. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think that the, the, the NBA likes to pat themselves on the back. A lot for the international growth of the league. And there are more foreign guys than ever in the league today than there's ever been. Um, you know, they do a lot of stuff in Africa. They do a lot of stuff in China. They're they're moving into India. Um, but they've kind of done that a little bit at the expense of domestically here. Um, you know, these guys go over and do camps in China. Well, are they doing them in Detroit? I, I, I don't think so. No. Um, so that kind of leads into the last point. The worst part, and I'm not even sure it's Stern's fault necessarily, but you watch college football, and like you watch these bowl games that we just got done watching, and you see a guy like Herbert. You now can follow him. You you could have followed his college career, and now you can follow him into the pros. Mm-hmm. And... Oregon fans will always be a fan of him. It's just like Melvin Gordon when he comes back and stands on the sideline, and all Badger fans love Melvin Gordon. We all love Ron Dane. You don't really have that in college basketball into the into the NBA. A lot of college basketball fans hate the NBA. Um, the one and done rule has kind of been a mess. They didn't really do a very good job in the in the '90s of foreseeing where this was going when they started getting, you know, Garnett and Kobe and McGrady coming in out of high school. They didn't really anticipate how that was going to unfold. And the other thing is like one of the biggest days in the NFL season in the NFL calendar is the draft, Mm -hmm. right? It's a big deal because you know, these college players because they've stuck around and now you're interested to see where they're going to go and how they're going to fit in the NBA. Number one, you don't have that because the college guys don't stick around. And number two of the 60 guys that are picked 25 of them, I've never heard of because they're not from America. I mean, I two guys on the Bucks, Giannis and Urson. When they drafted both those guys, I had never heard of Urson. Thon Maker. I had heard. I well, I'd only heard of Thon because of the internet. I had heard of Giannis only because he was a draftable player on NBA Two K. <laughs> I knew nothing about him. Never seen him play, and like that's not very exciting to watch. Right. You know. Um. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a detriment of Stern. Or if that's just kind of the way the league's gone, they just didn't necessarily do a good job in foreseeing those problems. Um, but you know, a lot of people have said nice things about him. A lot of people have said bad things about him today. Um, I just look at it like, I mean, I'm 38 years old. This dude was basically in my life for almost 35 years, um, good or bad. He was there every NBA moment that I love. He was there. Um, so, you know, it's always sad when, when these guys die, um, you know, I'm not going to cry about it and certainly don't think anybody's going to be too, too sad when, when Goodell goes, um, but David Stern, I think all in all pretty, pretty stellar career. And yeah, I think he's right up there with, with Pete Rosell as probably the greatest commissioners in American sports. So, 
All right, that was very well done. I knew you would have a lot to say. I was kind of curious to to get your perspective on that. I mean, I, I you know I read a little bit today, not knowing a whole lot of the background, but you know the overall synopsis seemed like that was a very pivotal um, reign of his for the NBA that really brought things to where it is today. I mean, the fact that in 1980, the Lakers played the Sixers, and Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Dr. J, three of the ten most recognizable basketball players of all time, you couldn't watch their game live in the finals, the championship. You couldn't watch it. No TV deals. It's crazy. All right, that is the intentional foul for this week. I got way too much fucking basketball knowledge in my brain. It's just... (laughs) I didn't even need to. Open, I didn't even need to go online for this. No, I bet you. You probably didn't. Probably didn't. That's 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 kind of sad. I don't know. We'll try and uh, we'll try and be back at it at our normal time. I don't know how quick we can turn around after all that we just talked about. We're probably going to have just a half an hour to yeah. To, we to can wrap about stuff a little on bit Monday. of a little bit of playoff talk so, maybe, but that's right. you know. And we still, you know, we we still can talk a little high school. That's true. We yeah, we're because so. we're now going to be in the stretch run yeah. for our season. Until get busy the here now. So. Thank you for uh, tuning in, downloading, and subscribing. If you haven't, tell your friends, as Drew Olson likes to say. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, and if uh, any of you guys know any single ladies in 2020 that want to go out with the basketball rain man, holler what? at your boy. Okay, <laughs> now we're doing blind dates. Perfect. <laughs> That's the intentional follow for this week. On that note, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Go Bucks.